from CAP Radio in Sacramento. This is Insight. I'm Beth Ruiak. Yosemite and Point Reyes are among the national parks that have now closed, along with an increasing number of beaches across the state and across the country. Harvey Weinstein, you might have heard, tested positive for COVID-19 yesterday. He is in isolation at a correctional facility in New York right now. Also, late yesterday, Canada said it will not send athletes to the Olympics in Japan this summer if they are held. Australia told its athletes it's clear that the Games can't be held in July. And President Trump has tweeted that the U.S. will wait for the guidance of Japan's prime minister. The indications are that could be a few weeks away. Specific, though, to California, the federal government declared a disaster for the state, which freed more resources to assist in the coronavirus battle. Uh, The governor said that early on Sunday he had requested a presidential major disaster declaration. It actually happened by that afternoon. And this afternoon, we're told that the president's task force will give its daily briefing. You will hear it on CAP Radio. Listen to this, though. The U.S. Surgeon General, Dr. Jerome Adams, was on the Today Show with Savannah Guthrie this morning. And he was direct and blunt in his message. This week, it's going to get bad, and uh, we really need to come together as a nation. I I heard the stories that you were just playing, young people out um, on beaches. Uh, We we see here in D.C. uh, that that the uh, district set up a cam for people to watch the cherry blossoms. You look on the cam, you see more people walking around than you see cherry blossoms. And this is how the spread is occurring. And so we really, really need everyone to stay at home. I think that there are a lot of people who are doing the right things, but I think that, unfortunately, we're finding out a lot of people think this can't happen to them. When you look at what's going on in New York, and we said this at the beginning of our 15 Days to Stop the Spread initiative, that the numbers you see reflect what happened two weeks ago. We don't want Dallas or New Orleans or Chicago to turn into the next New York. And it means everyone needs to be taking the right steps right now. And that means stay at home. Okay, so let's start the hour there with Ken Rudin, the political junkie. He is at home outside of Washington, D.C. I trust that your family is safe and healthy. Hello, Ken. Thank you, Beth, for saying that. Yes, everybody is safe. And today is my son's birthday. What a day day to celebrate a 30th birthday. But look, nobody is celebrating these days. Everybody is frightened. And hopefully they're listening to what their leaders, meaning the governors and the mayors and Anthony Fauci, and everybody else is saying, stay home and don't engage in risky uh, behavior. So can the president frames this right now as being in not a battle any longer, but a war, and he's a wartime president? The one difference is when the country's at war, or you think back to 9-11, everybody to a person knows and has some sort of shift or change or response There's a real challenge with this situation and getting that same sort of national buy-in. Well, that is definitely true, Beth. And I think I hate to I hate to play politics here, and I don't even think I'm playing politics. But the fact is, is that for the longest time, the president of the United States belittled and uh, belittled this virus, this coronavirus, which he now calls insist on calling the Chinese virus. Yeah. He said, look, it's, it's passing. It'll, go, it'll get better. When it's warm weather, things will go away. We're, we're winning this battle. And this was weeks and weeks, if not months, going back to January, of belittling the virus. Now, of course, he is selling himself as the wartime president. 
And he is doing, he is conducting these things with the utmost seriousness, which is true. But then comes last week when, a, when a, a Peter Alexander, the reporter from NBC News, says, what do you say to people who are, are concerned or nervous? Which was the, the, the most softball of softball questions. And the president said, stop being a lousy reporter. Stop being a bad reporter. That's not what the American people wanted here. So if you're not convinced of what the president is saying, the president of the United States is saying, maybe, just maybe, that's why so many people are not taking it as seriously as they should. Meanwhile, let's shift to this battle happening um, on Capitol Hill right now. And in fact, you may be up on the moment to moment, but I'm I'm hearing perhaps a forced vote, more debate, the House trying to get a stimulus package that it's willing to agree to. It's a bit of a race against time, Ken, because we're hearing more and more members of Congress either test positive or need to isolate because of exposure to the virus. Everything you just said, Beth, in in, uh, two sentences or whatever it was, was absolutely correct. Rand Paul, the senator from Kentucky, appeared at some kind of a a Kentucky uh, meeting or or, a Republican rally, or I think it was a business, I'm sorry, a dinner, a dinner on March 15th. People there came down with the virus. Rand Paul tested, and he's he's now uh, he's now tested a positive for that. Other senators like Mitt Romney and Mike Lee, both of Utah, uh, uh, Ted Cruz of Texas, have also self. They, they don't have the virus, but they've self quarantined because of fears like that. And what's going on in Capitol Hill is, while it sounds like you know, for example, they had a bill, they had a vote yesterday. And it came out to a 47-47 tie about submitting, it was either $1.8 trillion, $1.6 trillion. I've read several different numbers, but a lot of money uh, for this virus, for, the, for, for, for research and, and, and payments. And it was a 47-47 tie. They needed 60 votes to pass. It only could get 47. And both, both parties are blaming fingers. Both parties are pointing fingers. Mitch McConnell said he's blaming the Democrats for Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats. For obstructionism, the, the Democrats are saying, "Wait a second! Why have this? Why have this vote? Why have this political vote when we don't even have an agreement yet?" And the reason we don't have an agreement yet it is still a question about what are we paying for jobless benefits? Are we giving all the money to corporations? And are, are the, is it, it going to increase their executive pay? Is it more for corporations or is it more for people? So the Democrats and Republicans, they will have a deal. I think it could be within hours, if not days, but I think it will be within hours. But I kind of think that the, the vote that the Senate had yesterday was an opportunity for the Republicans to point fingers at Democrats saying they're playing politics with it. And Democrats, who may be losing this argument, but the Democrats are saying, wait a second, there are things that are not being taken care of. Workers are not getting the kind of attention that corporations are getting, and we're not going to vote for that. So Congress is still not on the same page on this, but I suspect they're they're, I mean, look, they're talking right now. You're right. The House is talking about coming up with its own plan. Nancy Pelosi is talking about that. But I still think there's going to be a deal sooner than later. How likely is it to work in, in this urgent situation language in that actually will prompt or require companies to pass this money down to workers, to protect payroll or to protect benefits? I, I just, I don't know how that's possible. I, I really, I mean, I'm hopeful, but I don't know how you can make that um, kind of an uh, airtight requirement, Ken. 
Well, look, every but look, this is this is beyond dire. This is beyond emergency. Right. This is beyond you know the country that doesn't get its a budget balance or whether there there's a deadline for getting a a, a, a budget passed or a stimulus package passed. This is this is life and death. This is life and death for people who may not even have the virus, but they're losing their unemployment benefits. They're out of jobs. And corporate and companies are are failing. I mean, think of all the small businesses where people could no longer come into work because they're sick or they're told to stay home. So I don't know how it works. I mean, that, that that's the part that I can't figure out yet. But it's going to be. I mean, I don't know if it is comparable to what went through the with the depression. But like the depression, nobody knew when that was going to end. Nobody knows when this is going to end. And even if it's not a perfect bill. I mean, something has got to be done, and, and obviously plain politics is the last thing the American want, people want to hear right now. Right, and I don't want to sound like I'm not in favor of it, because I, I absolutely do think workers with payroll and benefits need to be supported. I just find it very tough in um, the situation across the country to be able to ensure that happens and in this crunch to get a bill passed. But that aside, I want to go to two other questions. And that is, the president actually brought this up himself in a press conference over the weekend. Um, What about not needing to vote in person? And he said, it's a surprisingly complicated question. I believe that it is. But isn't it also a constitutional question? Well, you're, you're no longer talking about uh, voting in Congress. You're talking about the American people voting in primaries and elections, correct? Well, first of all, let's deal with Congress. If the number of people being isolated or quarantined goes down, 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 um, and suddenly, I guess you don't you don't have a quorum or you can't get enough votes on a package, what then? My, that we have never, that has never, ever happened, even in the middle of war, even when you were declaring war. I mean, everybody is there. There's never been a virus like that that may, keeps members of Congress home. As I said, there may be, uh, I think the vote, I mean, given the vote yesterday was 47 to 47. By my math, that's 94 senators. Where are those other six? They're either self-quarantined or sick. And as right. you say, if that number gets bigger then we are in trouble and something has to change. You're absolutely right about that. Okay, so now let's shift to the country. It's one thing to postpone a primary. We're in election season and primaries, one has already been delayed. More might do the same. But let's fast forward to the November general election. What about postponing a general election? What happens, Ken? Well, look, look, we, we, we didn't postpone the election in 1864, which is in the middle of the Civil War. We didn't postpone the election in 1944 when we were in the middle of World War II. You're absolutely right. A lot of states have already postponed primaries. I mean, California just got in under the wire. Right. I remember going with you to a polling booth where people were wearing masks and people were concerned and people were wearing having disinfectant and Purell everywhere. California got in right under the wire. A lot of states have postponed to May or June, but what if, one, if it's not even improved by May or June, what do you do then? And two, what do you do about November? Now, the president is cannot uniformly uh, take it on his own to say we're postponing the, the election. I don't think anybody agrees that's po- that, that that's uh, allowed. Is it feasible? Well, everything is feasible in this crazy day and age, but you need legislature. The November election is set. 
by by federal law, you know, the the first Tuesday after the first Monday in November. But again, for example, in Ohio, I'm not criticizing Mike DeWine, but he postponed the primary on his own. I think state law in Ohio, well, again, while I think he did the right thing, I don't think he has the power to do that. So there are a lot of people who are nervous about what happens if somebody assumes power that he or she doesn't have to postpone an election. These are uncharted waters, but, I mean, the only thing we could hope for, or look, Congress, forget about hoping, the Congress is doing what it can at the minimum to call for more vote-by-mail uh, states. A lot of states don't allow that, and if they do allow it, it has to be with an excuse, like I need a doctor's note or I'm out of town or I need to sign something. But but more and more people are going to have to vote by mail, vote by absentee ballot, and a lot of states don't allow that. And again, they, they're not equipped for that. It'll cost at least several billion dollars uh, for states to assume that kind of uh, um, uh, process. And so, again, I mean, everything we're saying, and I, I think I sound like I'm out of breath, but I think what I'm trying to say, uh, Beth, is this is such uncharted waters. Uh, you know, for people who say, well, I don't think they should have, un- you know, they shouldn't have vote by mail. We may not have a choice. I mean, in Florida last week, at the same time they told senior citizens to stay home, they were also saying senior citizens go out and vote. What hmm. kind of a mixed message is that? So there's a lot of uncertainty, but something has got to change with our voting system if we're going to have the sanctity of a presidential election come November. And and just to note, the next primaries are supposed to be April 4th. That would be Hawaii. And by the way, Tulsi Gabbard, that's her home state. She just suspended her campaign for presidency, along with Alaska and Wyoming. And there had been indication that we might hear from Bernie Sanders before the next primaries. Um, there's been kind of, I don't know, not silence, but it's been quiet on that front, Ken. Well, you know, something to be honest has been silent on Joe Biden's front as well. I mean, if if I could just talk politics for a second and get away from the urgency of this this situation, it is kind of well, I don't know what to describe it, but the fact is the president is on TV every day, and nobody's seen uh, Joe Biden since last Tuesday's elections when he swept Florida, uh, Illinois, and Arizona. Uh, but we're not seeing him either. But the fact is, is that. This has wiped the president, the battle for the Democratic nomination, off the front pages. I mean, off any pages, and especially if there are no more primaries. If the April 4th primaries are delayed or postponed, if April 7th, which is the next scheduled Tuesday primary in Wisconsin, if that goes away and that's still a possibility, then there's no primaries for Joe Biden to you know, claim victory. And there's no, and then there's no pressure on Bernie Sanders. But I would think... And I know this for a fact that there is tremendous pressure on Sanders to say, look, uh, this is a bad time to be fighting with, with Joe Biden about the, the future of the Democratic Party. The party needs to unite if it's going to defeat President Trump. I know there are a lot of Democrats who see no difference between Biden and Trump. That does astonish me. But the fact is there's pressure on, Biden, on Bernie to say, look, you know, I gave it a good fight, but this is a bad timing and it's time to end the campaign. I never want to push anybody out of the race. These are unusual times, shall we say. And plus the fact that he's way behind with the delegates. He's not winning. If this were Obama and, and Hillary from 2008, then that's one thing. But right now, Biden has a huge lead in delegates and votes. 
Right. Joe Biden has 1,201, and Bernie is a few hundred behind that. So He'd have to win 65% of the remaining delegates just to come close to winning it, and that's not happening. Hmm. All right, Ken. Well, happy birthday to your son. Enjoy a, <laughs> enjoy a stay-at-home celebration, <laughs> and I hope everybody stays safe out there. We'll check in with you again next week, if not sooner. And, and, and let me tell you, what you guys are doing to your for your audience is, is so uh, American. America needs the, the sound and the, the, the job that, uh, that public radio is doing more than ever. So thank mm-hmm. you, Beth. All right, Ken. And by the way, I, I made an error in timing that I want to correct for everybody. I heard that the president's press conference was at 2.30. It actually is 2.30 Pacific time, 5.30 Eastern time. So got that, Ken? Got that. Got a bet. Thank okay. you. <laughs> Thank you. Hope everybody else got it, too. All right. Ken Rudin, the political junkie. By the way, since we're talking about programming, and again, the president at 2.30 this afternoon, Cap Radio is going to start to carry a new weeknight program from NPR. It's from 6 to 7, and it's called The National Conversation with All Things Considered. And this is a show designed to answer your questions about the coronavirus. So that's from 6 to 7. Then at 7, you'll hear the day's business news with Marketplace. And then at 7.30, The Daily from the New York Times. So you can read more about all of those changes at capradio.org. All these changes designed to serve you and in real time. Up next, we're going to shift gears a little bit away from politics and talk about this first COVID-19 rapid test. You're listening to Insight on your NPR station, Cap Radio. Cap Radio. 